three to seven can go to children's church. Everybody else open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter eight, but but namely uh, in Luke. Let me make sure I tell you the right spot. Luke chapter 12. How many in here is over 40? Raise your hand. This is a good message for us. <clears throat> if you're not over 40, if you're under 40, you better listen to me because what I'm fixed to tell you is going to hit you like a freight train. <sighs> now, maybe I'm just a weirdo, but I think some of you 40s can identify with me. It seems like since I went over 40 and the closer I get to 50, I'm 46 now, that I, I do a lot of thinking and contemplating and evaluating more of my life probably spend too much time doing that and um and as i do that maybe it's wisdom but but as i do that i look back when i was younger and and uh think about things that maybe i should uh have done or maybe i look forward in some things i should be doing because there's some specific changes that takes place when you hit your 40s you know i People talk about a midlife crisis, and I always laughed at that. I'm going to tell you something, midlife crisis is real. If you ain't been through it, you just hold on, because you're going to go through it. And what I mean by that is you're going to come to a time in life where, where you got probably less years ahead of you than you had behind you, and you you got the changes with your kids growing up and moving out, and and you know you, your wife's sweating all night, and you're freezing to death. You know what I'm saying? And those kind of things take place, and... Uh, Y'all pray for my wife. <laughs> pray for me too, Lord. I need more blankets, but, um, anyhow, um, but, but seriously, uh, especially, I guess as a pastor, I go to a, probably a lot more funerals than y'all go to. And every time I go to a funeral or I hear of somebody that I know of this, this, uh, past way or, or somebody that has a sickness or something, it always kind of rings my bell. To bring me back into check to go, you know, how am I spending my life? Because God, God gives you something that is so precious. The Bible said, "More precious than silver and gold." That's that's life. You you only have one. Think about this. You know, the Bible says in Psalm one thirty nine that your days were written in a book before there was one of them. I don't know how many how many pages you've got left or I've got left, <clears throat> and it, it is it is it is so easy. To get so caught up in what our culture calls life and defines life and, and, and the cares of this world and all those things and you look up and years have gone by and what you, what you intended on doing you didn't do and, um, and sometimes you can get off course and all, all these different things and, and you know it seems like here lately, uh, just had some, some people that I knew that, that, uh, that passed away, you know, early. You know, when you, when you, when you, when you die in your sixties, I think that's going early and, or in your fifties. And so, you know, people who have good jobs and had goals of, you know, one day I'm going to retire and I'm going to, I'm going to live and I'm going to enjoy what I have. And the next thing you know, they're 
they're, they're retired. You know what I'm saying? And so I kind of want to shake you this morning and maybe some of you young people, because here's the thing, just because you're young don't mean you're going to make it to be old. If we're, if we're honest, you never know what, what, when you're going to read your last page on your book and you're out of here. And, uh, and I think until you begin to deal with that and you think about that a little bit, until you look beyond this life, you're never going to live. You're never going to come to a place to figure out what life was about to start with because if you truly look at God's word and you believe it and you believe that, that, that we are eternal and that, that eternity consists of you know, you're going to either spend it with the Lord Jesus in, in heaven on all of his glory, and you're going to live and be alive more than you've ever been alive because you're not bound by this old wretched body that we're in. Or, or, or it's going to be hell because you rejected the gospel and you chose to go there and hope nobody here fits into that category. But, but here's the thing. If you really believe that and then you look at your life, how you're spinning it, if you're like me, some of the things I'm spinning on just foolishness and stupid. Even just in my thoughts, what I spend my days, what consumes my life and, and what I think about and what, what, what the driving force of my life is, if I look at it in light of eternity, I'd have to go, man, this, it's crazy that I'm allowing these things to eat me alive and consume me and cause all this uproar in me and, and that kind of stuff. And so, that's kind of the gist of this where the Lord was dealing with me this week. Um, I'm gonna start off, I preached this passage in Luke chapter 12 a couple of months ago, and, but I'm going to read it this. We won't preach out of this, but I'm going to read this so you can see the context of where, where the Lord's talking about in chapter uh, 12, verse 13. He says, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. And he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store, pay attention to that word, to store my crops. So he said, I will do this, I will pull down my barns, and I will be, and I will build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, "Soul, you have you have many good goods laid up for many years. See all all he's taking for granted. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry." So he's speaking this in a future tense. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to build more places to store all of my stuff because I have so many years. And and once I get to that place, then I'm going to live. I'm going to eat, drink, be merry. Sounds almost like a 401k. And then he goes and says, but God said to him, you fool, this night, this night, your soul will be required of you, then whose will those things be which you have provided, which you worked your whole life for, which you spent the most precious thing you have to attain? So is he who lays up, notice what it says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. God doesn't say, okay, in order to be rich towards God, you gotta live in total poverty, have nothing, enjoy nothing. That's not what this is saying. It's not what God's Word teaches us, okay? It also doesn't teach us that, you know, that you sit around all the time and don't work. The Bible's clear on that we should work, take care of our families. But to me, Christianity, life, if you're gonna live the life that God has for you, which is really good, it's almost like walking a tight wire. 
Because it's a balance beam between, okay, I, I, I'm going to work because the Lord says whatever I do, whatever I put my hand to, put to with all my might for the glory of God and that I should work and take care of my family. He that does not provide for his own has denied the faith. He's worse than an infidel. And so, you know, he that does not work, he ought not eat. There's a lot of scripture, deal work. Six days you'll work, seven days you'll rest. I can go on and on and study that. And I don't have an issue with working. My issue is overworking. My issue is getting so caught up in just working and, and, and that kind of stuff that I lose sight of the eternal. And so you're always one way or another and you got to keep yourself in check. And if you don't keep yourself in check, God out of his goodness and mercy will keep me in check. Y'all with me? I'm going to preach to me and y'all just amen me. Okay. So that's what he's talking about here. Now he gives a contrast. This is where we're going to be in verse 22. He gives a contrast of a person who takes life for granted, who, who, who defines his life by the things that he attains, whether it be monetary things, physical things, positions, that kind of stuff. And he, he compares it to and contrasts it to the life that he intends for us and what life really is. But before I read this, I want to ask you a question. Well, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. Let's read it. He said, then he said to his disciples, therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat. He's talking about your physical life. Nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food. He's talking about life is more than food. And in America, we could add a whole lot to that. Life is more than stuff. Life is more than a car, a home, a job. You know, those things that we deem as so important. The things that drive us in life. Life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. For they neither sow nor reap, which have neither, and here's that word, they don't have a storehouse or a barn. And God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds of which, and which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature, one inch to his height? If you then are not able to do the least, all your fretting, all your worrying, all your anxiousness, all these things that we, that when we're looking into the future, we have absolutely no control over whatsoever or the past, okay? If you can't do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, notice what he says, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of, what's the issue? Little faith. And do not seek... What you should eat or what you should drink. Don't be consumed by it with an anxious mind. Always thinking about provision. Always thinking about what you have to come up with. How do you take care of yourself? And most of us, we don't think about that. We think of how we can get more and more and more and more and more. For all of these things, notice what it says, the nations of the world seek after. He's separating us from the nations of the world. And your father knows that you have need of these things, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. And I'm going to stop right there. So when he says that life is more than food, I think the first thing you have to determine and define before you're going to live is what is life? What is life? If it's more than just something physical, okay, if, if I can do everything that I can do to attain all the physical things that I can attain, 
and it's not life, then what is life? Because I need to know because I want to live it. I only got one. And so if I was going to describe life, a few of the words I wrote down is number one, life is a gift. Okay, you don't have life unless God gives it to you. Life is precious. Life is short. Really short. Don't know how short it's going to be. Life is a journey because it doesn't end when we stop breathing. Life is an opportunity. And life is spendable. And every one of us are spending our days. And we're, and we're, we're, we're doing one or two things. And so here's my, here's my things with how are you spending your life. You are either wasting it or you're investing it. You're there, and there's a lot of people who waste it. You know, I talk to people all the time and go, you know, what do, what do you do? What do you do? Man, just lay around, watch TV, play a video game. Thank you, really? You think God, that's, you think God, God's intention for that's the best, that's the best God has for you? So is that waste? That's an absolute waste. That's the best that you think that when God was in, uh, in all of his glory and eternity passed when he thought, you know what? I'm gonna create Chad. I don't know, I don't know what Chad does, okay? This is just, and not, you know what I'm gonna do? I just want Chad just to sit around. I'm gonna give him, I'm gonna give him 80 years where he can just, just sit around and absorb the air condition. You think that's what God thought? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. So you're either wasting it or you're investing it. You're either enjoying it or you're miserable. You're either con- being consumed or you're imparting life. You're either looking back or looking forward. How many of you, when you're 40, you're still looking forward, going, man, I'm, I'm so excited about life. I'm lo- A lot of people look back and go, oh, I just remember my baby's just little and I just didn't, it's over. Uh, you know, you ought to be looking forward to it. Honestly, there's, there was a chapter in my life where I look back and go, I loved it when my baby's little. Now my baby's getting grown. Two of them are gone. One of them, you know, who knows what she's going to do. But this is what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking to the years with my wife if I have those years. Looking forward to that. You're either living for the temporary or the eternal. You're either in chaos or you have peace. Your life is either depressing or it's joyful. It's either empty or it's purposeful. It's either exciting or boring. Or maybe you're just still searching or you have found it. Because there's so many scriptures where Jesus, he's all about life. That's all he's about. He said, I come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. He talked about the woman at the well. You know, that he is like the river, the wellspring of life. Life boiling up inside of you. Man, and life is good. And so many people, I think today, even believers, are searching for that life where they have purpose and they're excited and, and, and they're driven and they're just, man, they're living full of joy and, and contentment and those things. But so many of them are looking in the wrong direction or we invest our lives in things that are so empty that we always come up into and we're like, that wasn't it. Maybe, maybe it's this thing. Maybe it's the next big purchase or maybe it's the next trip or the next experience or, or this or that. And then you get to the end of it and you're like, that's still, that's still not it. Anybody with me on that? You know, well, I think we all go through that at, at times in our lives. And so, this man in the previous text, he was looking to possessions and positions, basically worthless securities. And, and, and that's what America drives you to. You know, if you ask the average kid at school, you know, what, what, it, what is it that you look for in life? You know, a lot of them will shoot something out there, you know, that's like way out there that they in their heart don't believe. Well, I'd like to be the next Olympic, you know, whatever, or, or a world champion, this or that. In their heart, they go, I'd like to be that, but I'm not going to be that. So in reality, what do you think life's going to be? You know, I don't know. I'll, I'll get out of school and hang around my parents till they kick me out, and then I'll finally have to get a job, and I'll scrape by to make it, and maybe 
maybe have, you know, a wife, maybe 10, who knows how it's going to go and, and kids scattered everywhere and, and hopefully we'll survive till we get to my 401k. And then we paint this picture and I'm not against retirement. Okay. I'm not against being smart with your money, but I'm saying this. Don't gear your whole life for something you might never, you might not ever experience. And if I was to go over this crowd, I'd be willing to bet the whole 50 bucks that I've got in the bank that if we went around with the people who uh, looked when you were young, he's like, man, when I get retired, I'm going to fish every day. When I get tired, I'm just going to, I'm going to enjoy, you know, I'm going to do this every day. And then we painted this great picture. And when you got retired, you too old and you too tired to go fishing and hunting and all the things you should have done when you was younger that you didn't do because you was hoping you would get one day where you found life. Am I knocking on somebody's door? Brother Don's like, amen, that's right. I don't feel like going to the river no more. He don't. And if we could let wisdom speak, we could get people up here all day long who could say, you know what, it's good to be wise and to spend money right, but you got something more more precious than silver and gold you're spending. Because there's some things you can't get back. You can't get back the time with your kids. You can't get back opportunities that God gives you. And you can't reinvest your life in the kingdom because you've invested it so much in the world. Right. And there comes a point in time where maybe God brings us to a point to shake us and go, I, I, I need to, I need, I need to make some changes. I want you to look real quick in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 8. You know, sometimes in our lives we experience tests. We talked about that last Sunday. We go through tests and we go through trials and we kind of wonder what they're about sometimes. And I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes God is, all the time, God is so good and so merciful to us to bring tests into our life, to reveal to us what's in our heart and to kind of wake us up. You ever woke your kids up, you know, your 20-year-old, where you go in there and you knock on the door? I can say that now. You know, Cody's not in the house, so you don't have to take it personally. Where you hadn't been in that room in a little while. Some of you moms can identify with this, and you walk in there, and they're laid out on what used to be a bed, and that's a pile of clothes or whatever, and you're like, hey, wake up! What, what is this? What? I heard a, heard a story yesterday that said that a football team in college, it was Tony Evans, he said, uh, you know, football team in college got this mascot, and it was a goat. And uh, they was trying to figure out what they was going to do with the goats, and said, uh, two of the football players said, hey, coach, we'll, we'll keep him in our apartment. He said, you, you, you're going to take care of the goat? And I said, yeah, and you're going to keep him inside of your apartment? Yeah. He said, well, what about the smell? He said, oh, don't worry, the goat will get used to it. <laughs> you know, and, so, and sometimes, you know, and you look at kids like that, but I think sometimes in my life, God looks at me like, you know, the average teenager where he's like, how are you living like this? What, what is this that you're, you're like, what? Well, I'm just, I'm, this is just the way it is. I'm used to it. Don't we do that? We take our culture and, and we look around and everybody else is doing the same thing and living for the same thing and chasing everything, the same thing. God's like, hey, you're different. My son shed his blood for you. I gave you life. You're an eternal being. You've been born again. You, you have access to, to a heavenly inheritance. You've got a home in glory. You're living with a purpose. What, what is all this? And God's got to kind of got to shake us up where you go, get out of bed, clean that room up, throw something at him, all right? Now, y'all wake. Maybe your babies don't do that. I don't know. Anyhow, chapter 8, verse 1 says, every commandment which I command you today, and you go home and check the room. Today, you must be careful to observe that you may live. Notice how God wants for you. You may live and multiply. And go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. You shall remember that the Lord your God. And notice what he says. What did God do to prepare them for life and the blessing? 
God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you and he allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna. Remember, manna wasn't a ribeye. It was just something plain. Wasn't like everybody was sitting around in the middle of the day going, man, I can't wait for manna tonight. Their life wasn't here. What he's saying is, you know, some of us eat to live, some of us live to eat. We're thinking about supper when we're eating breakfast. Amen. You know, and so what he's doing here, he says, I fed you manna. What is manna? Manna's good, manna sustains you, but you didn't just think about it all the time. Some of us think about physical things all the time. It's all we think about. We're not thinking about eternal things, spiritual things, heavenly things, other people. We're just thinking about what's the next physical thing that I can have and attain that might give me life or make me happy. And so, man, you're quiet today. You know what that means? You're guilty. You better start amening, all right? And he says, "I, I fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. Notice what he says here, that he might make you to know that man shall not live by bread alone. Remember when Satan tempted Jesus and he said, you know, turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone. What that tells me is everything that I work to produce by my hands will never give me life. It'll never give me life. Means, yeah, we have to have food. There's nothing wrong with food. I believe we're going to eat in heaven. I enjoy food. I enjoy some physical things, that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying, well, if you, if you have anything physical, you're sinful. I'm not saying that. But if that's what is the driving force in you, if that's what you're living for, when you look forward to, you know, your future, or when you say, what is it that, that makes you happy or gives you life? And you give a list of things. Well, I like to do this. And man, I like to have this. And if I just had that, Lord's like, that's, that's not going to give you life. It's like drinking physical water. The woman at the well drank the water. she come back a little later. She needed a drink. He said, if you would have asked me, I would have given you living water. You'd have never thirsted again. And so, and I'm going to, so you stay with me, okay? Notice what it says here. He says, but man lives, how? By every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Your garments did not wear out on you 40 years. Nor did your foot swell for 40 years. You should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God chastens you. So what does that got to do with this message? Sometimes we get to trucking along in life and, and we think that what we're involved in is going to make us happy. And then the next thing you know, it begins to consume us and our thoughts and our plans and all these things. And, and most of you have probably done this. And all of a sudden you hit a struggling moment. Or you go through a time where you're like, I don't understand this. You know, and all of a sudden you wake up and you go, you know what? If I, I went through one of those deals just off the top of my head, I went through one time where, where I was working all the time, this and that and, and trying to make some money and, and say, so, Oh, you, you wretched preacher. You shouldn't be doing that. You're a preacher. Yeah, right. So are you. Okay. And so in that, I was working to make money. And long story short, I left my billfold on the bumper, walked off, lost about 7000 bucks in one morning. Never to, never to see that money again. And I was so upset that morning, as you can imagine. It was December. It was Christmas time. And I called my wife, told her. But anyhow, I'll probably tell you the short story, so I won't go into depth in it. But anyhow, the one thing that God spoke so clearly to me when I was just wound up that, uh, that time in my life, work, 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 push, push. And you want to give the kids a great Christmas and that kind of stuff. Maybe even good intentions. And, and God's voice came to me so clear when I was walking down a blacktop looking for my billfold. He's like, if you can lose it this fast, 
How important is it? You're living your whole life for something that is going up in smoke. You know what? Me and kids and mama had a great Christmas that year. Didn't have nothing to do with how much stuff that we could buy them. And long story short, Lord made up for it in a miraculous way. It was amazing, but I'll tell you later someday when I got time. And so in that, <clears throat> so here's what I want to give you because I'm out, of, I'm going to run out of time. I want to give you, and I never do three points, but I just saw three points that jumped out of me on this. And I want you to write these down. Say, so how can I make sure that I'm living life in, in the way, in the fullness of what God has for me? Notice what it says in verse 29. He says, do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after. You've got to be number one set apart. What the Lord's saying is you can't live like the world, live by the same standards of the world, desire the things of the world, you know, and, and set your life by the world and expect the kingdom. You can't do it. I think that's the most difficult thing in American Christianity because what we say is, oh, I want Jesus, but I also want the world. I'm willing to accept the spiritual but not let go of the physical. I'll go along with the spiritual until it affects the physical. You know, you look on down there a little ways, it says that, uh, let me find it, verse 31, but seek the kingdom of God and all these things, notice what it says, all these things shall be added to you. You see, that's what it's saying is the kingdom should be first. I need to be set apart above all things to go. This is a Christ-centered life. He and the kingdom and the purpose of the kingdom and all the good. When you think about the kingdom of God, you're thinking about God's purpose that's eternal. Talking to people and sharing the gospel that has hopefully saved your soul. That you're laying up treasures in heaven through what you're doing. That you're showing the love of God. That you're walking in the joy of the Lord. You got joy. You got peace. You got purpose. You got a good marriage. You know, you're raising your kids up for the Lord. You're, 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 you're looking for your calling and purpose in life. Those are things you're showing love to people. You help people. The reason that you work is so that you can give and, and all those things. That's, that's the kingdom mind. Okay. That's what Jesus is. What is the kingdom? of God. Look what Jesus did. Every day. He just went out and he did good to people and he showed love to people and he was willing to sacrifice of what he had for the benefit of other people. So was he joyful? <laughs> Man, are you kidding me? Even in, even in horrendous situations, he was joyful. That's life. That's a lie. But, but listen to me. You can't have both. You can't live like the nation. We think we ought to be able to live like the nations and have the kingdom. And, that, and that's what we think, and that's not possible. I just want to drill that into your head this morning. That's not going to happen. There's a reason why the Bible said you're a peculiar people. Because if you live for the kingdom of God, our culture is going to be, even Christians, listen to me, even strong Christians, church folk, are going to be like, man, that's crazy. You're living like that. You're starting to actually apply the Bible to your life. You do more than know it. You do more than nod on Sunday. You're actually trying to do these things that Jesus said in America. Do you realize what you're going to have to give up in America in order for you to have the kingdom? Because what we've done is we've switched that verse right there and we've went, seek first the American dream and add Jesus to that. You know, he's the additive to life. I'm going to tell you, that stings. 
That stings because most of us don't wake up thinking about the Lord and what he has for us that day. Most of us think about what we have to do that day, what the culture demands of us that day, what life is consuming out of our lives that day. And hopefully by the end of the day, we'll add a little, we'll add a little Jesus to that. Or, or we go through six days a week and we put Jesus, it's like I was telling Willie this morning, I said, you know, there's nothing better than sitting down to a huge, I promote this all the time, I ought to be the representative, Leona Steakhouse, steak. If you've ever been there, if you hadn't, you, you don't have life, okay? <laughs> life is more than food. I'm like, man, I don't know, you know. Anyhow, it's an awesome steak. But what would it be like if you went to Leona's and you just piled salt on a plate, no steak, salt, pepper, and you just started eating like this. You know, I heard a lot about this, it's not that great. What's the big deal? You don't have a steak. You're, those are additives to the steak. And most people, you spend your life trying to attain salt and pepper. And Jesus is like, I'm the ribeye. He's not the additive. You, you have to be set apart. You want to know what set apart is? Get in God's word and live by what he says. Live how he says. It means Jesus is Lord. He's a, he's the Lord of my life. I'm not living for the temporary. I, no, I don't live the way that you live. I don't live the way the world lives. I don't gear my life for what the world gears its life for. When people go, you mean to tell me that you and your wife both don't work? No. Well, that's weird. And I'm not saying, if you know, ladies, it's okay if you work, if you want to work, okay? But it's okay if you don't want to work. It's okay if you want to be a stay-at-home mom. It's okay if you, if you're both not driving, you know, Ferraris so that you can stay home with the kids. That's okay. That's not weird. That's called Bible. You know, it's okay. It's okay if you homeschool your kids. Public school's fine. If that's what you want to do. You hear me say nothing. That's your business. It's your kids. But here's the thing. You're not weird if you homeschool your kids. Mine somehow made it. They grew up and they managed to get married and they function and they actually know how to, you know, talk to people. You know what I'm saying? I know some, I know some public school kids that don't function. Let's be honest. And, 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 but what I'm saying is there's a lot of things other than that. The way you handle your money, how you, how you do things, what you believe, what you live by, what you speak of. That if you can't get over people thinking you're weird, you're never going to have life. You're never going to have it. If you're so concerned about what lost people think of you, they are consuming your life and you're letting them. You're giving what's most precious to the world. Go, I just want to keep the world happy. The world don't give a flip. So you got to be set apart. Second thing is, he said that, uh, and your father knows what you have need of these things. Second thing is you got to seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. That means I go, all right, if I truly in my heart really believe that, number one, that Jesus is coming back, I don't know when he's coming back, but I'm looking forward to that day. Then I know also in my heart that my time here on earth is limited, though it's not limited because I'm going to be more alive when I go to be with the Lord. But my time on earth here is limited. Then I probably want to invest in the same things that I, that I, that the Lord, the one who I call Lord and Master, if he does these things, shouldn't I want to do those things? If, if Jesus lived his life a certain way, shouldn't I look at him and go, yeah, I want to pattern my life after the Lord? 
I want, I want to, I want to invest in what he's investing in. If I'm at work with people and every day I'm sitting across the desk from them or, or beside them or I'm on an assembly line or I'm working on a house with them and I look at these people and go, oh yeah, they don't know Jesus and one day they're going to die and they're going to be cast into the lake of fire and they're going to burn forever and ever. I got stuff to do. I got money to make. I ain't got time to talk about that and they probably wouldn't listen anyhow. I'm thinking, oh, what? Seeking the kingdom of God means in the morning that I wake up and go, Lord, you're awesome, man. I know you got awesome life for me. I got a purpose today. You're going to use me today. I'm looking for that purpose. I want to, I want to hide your word in my heart. I want to put my armor on because I know that all hell's coming against me today. And that's okay because I've already got victory. I want to love people and I want to, I want to give to people and I want to help people and I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And I want to, these, this is what's important to me as I go about my day working. As I go about my, my day going to baseball games, and as I go about my day going to swimming parties, and as I go about, I'm not saying you stop leaving and go, oh, no, we don't work. We don't go to swimming parties. Get dressed if you do, okay? We don't go to swimming parties. We don't go to baseball. We don't have that. No, I'm saying the kingdom of God is everywhere. The question is, are you seeking it? Are you involved in it? Are you where Jesus is at the kingdom? Because when Jesus walked, there were multitudes that followed him, and then there was people in the marketplace that didn't give a flip when he walked by. They said, Whatever, right? that ain't for me. I think there's a lot of Christians who, you know, Jesus is going, there's some who are following him, there's some who are like, wow, man, you see what the Lord's doing? Can you imagine the difference between the conversation of the disciples and those who just watched him walk by? Those who watched him walk by once a week, maybe walk by once a week on the way to the synagogue. And the disciples were with him. Disciples were like, man, can you believe what the Lord did yesterday? Fed 5,000 people with a couple of perch and some biscuits. And it was awesome. Did you see? There was a man, two men on the side of the road, blind. I know him. I knew him since I was a kid. They couldn't see, you know, a bug in front of their face. And all of a sudden they cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. He walks over there and like, what do you want from me? And they say, Lord, have our side. Boom. And they got up and they started falling. Dude in the marketplace, like, what's, the, what's the deal with the crowd? I see him. There he goes. Whoop-de-doo. There's people in church that goes, what's the big deal? Whoop-de-doo. It's a couple of songs, a message. We're on our way. But then there are those who seek the kingdom of God. And those people are like, wow! You know, I've been there. I necessarily write this message for me. I'm not necessarily at that place right now. But I'm headed back to that place where I'm like, wow, God, you are awesome. And I want to see this. And I want to be a part of this. You know, it would be crazy for me to stand before the Lord and go, I've just been in life. It's spent. It's gone. It's over. Up in smoke, toast, out of here. But Lord, I believed. Right? Okay, third, last thing is this. He said, notice verse 32. He said, do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure, underline it, to give you the kingdom. To give you the kingdom. That's not my point. Stay with me. Sell, this is where it gets really, most difficult part of the message. Sell what you have and give. Alms, give to the people who are in need. Provide yourself money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens, that's your storehouse, that does not fail, nor no thief approaches, nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So what do we got to do? Set apart, seek the kingdom, sell and give. It's like, wait a second, hold on a second. I can do the whole seeking. I can try to be set apart. But now you're touching into what I really love. Because what Jesus is saying is, there's some things in your life that have a hold of you that keep you from having life. 
get rid of those things. Remember what he said to the rich young ruler? Rich young ruler came and said, <clears throat> you know, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said, you know, law, obey your father and mother, keep the commandments, da, da, da. And he said, all these things I've observed from my youth. He said, yeah, but one thing you lack. And the Bible said, the Lord looked at him and loved him and said, go and sell what you have. Give it to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. I said, do we all have to do that to be saved? No. You know what happened when that rich young ruler, when he heard those words? He was self-righteous. He's like, I do keep the commandments. I do go to church. I do sing. I do preach. I do these things. And the Lord said, go and sell your stuff. And he was like, oh, my stuff. I can't. You know what he said? I can't do that. I can't. And he turned and he walked away. How many of us this morning when I said, if I was to say, you know, if you evaluated your life to go, what is it you're anxious about? What are you worrying about? What's consuming your thoughts? What's consuming your time? What's consuming, you know, what, what is it to where you go, I, I don't think about the Lord. I don't think about other people. I don't give to other people. I don't help other people. Then sell that stuff. Sell it. Go home today. Sell it. Get rid of it. Don't store the money. Give the money. Just sell it and give it. A lot of our hearts go, wait a second. That's mine. I love that stuff. I live for that stuff. Because in order for you to have something that you deem as, this is this what defines me, not the Bible, okay? This is what defines me. This is my little, this is my job, this is my car, this is my stuff, this is my identity, this is my 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 position, my college. If the Lord said, and like he did the rich young, he's revealing, this is what's robbing you of life. Get rid of it. Give it away. In order for you to do that, you would have to go, now I'm really embracing Jesus, I trust in you. I'm looking to you for life, letting go of that, and, and, and I'm not interested in it. What most of us want to do, go, oh, no, Lord. I want to follow you, but mm, I love my, my thing, my stuff. That stings, don't it? Now, you say, are you there? Mm-mm, I ain't. I say, what are you doing with it? I'll tell you what I'm doing with this message. I started praying about it and thought, Lord, if you got something that you want me to sell, then I'll sell it. I, I want to get rid of it, if, if, if something. And I thought, and thought, you know, I, honestly, I don't have a whole lot of debt. So I'm thinking, you know, glory wouldn't do me no good to sell my boat, you know. It ain't going to help nothing, da-da-da. That's not what's consuming me. And so the Lord's like, well, what is consuming you? And, and I got to thinking, you know what? It's none of your business. All right? So y'all sitting there going, tell us. <laughs> We're going to get on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he's like, how much you want for it? <laughs> But it's not my bow, all right? But anyhow, back to the story. God, When God begins to reveal those things, now I want you to think about it. I'm not saying it's easy, because those things are deep-rooted in us. Most of the time, been for years deep-rooted into us. So in order to tear, to tear those things away, you're going to tear away some, some of you. And the Lord's like, that right there is what's got you. And I'm like, hmm, that's not what I necessarily want to. You know, I can't sell that. It's not something physical, but Lord, you know, it's like, okay, you want life or you want that? That's where I'm at. Maybe, maybe God's putting his finger on you this morning to where he's like, this is, this is what I want because this is what's robbing you. You don't think it is, but it's robbing you. And you're going to look up one of these days, you're going to be 85 years old and you're going to look back on your life. Like I did last night, I was sitting there in the living room, I'm close with this, I was sitting there in the living room, and uh, <clears throat> I was by myself, and we got pictures everywhere, 
in our living room. And we got one sitting on the uh, entertainment center that Renee London took a picture of when we first come here about 12 years ago. And I was, I was looking at the picture, and the kids were little, and I still had a little bit of hair. And I was like, all right, what, what has changed in my life from that point to where I'm at? Because at that point in my life, if I know me, I was going... All right, if I just get through this part of my life or this project or this, that, or this, that, then I'm going to change. Nothing's changed. I'm 12 years older. I'm still in the same rut that I was in. Still going the same way that I was going. I'm like, Lord, if I'm, if I'm going to look at my picture now, 10 years from now, what's going to change? Am I going to strive after what the life that Jesus has for me? Or am I just going to keep eating this junk that's consuming me? If you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord as your Savior, okay? The Bible says to be carnally minded, physically minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You don't have life until you have Him. You don't even know what life is without Jesus. It's not about church and religion. It's about having the life in you that Jesus died to give you. And if you have, if you don't have that this morning, you need to trust in Jesus. How do I do that? Right where you are. God, I'm empty. God, I'm a sinner. Sin's taking me. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever you want to say to the Lord. But Lord, I want to trust you. I want the life that you have for me, that you died to give me. He loves you that much. And if you're here and you say, I, I am born again. I have life and I have hope, then then how are you spending it? What are you spending it on? Because you know what? If you got regrets from the last 20 years, if you don't make a, a change in the next 20 years, you're going to regret this too. Well, we should come to a place to go, God, I want to let go of some things. I want to sell some things. I want to give some things. That's how you know when you get on track and you're like, I'm doing more giving than I am attaining, getting, wanting. I just want to give it. I just want, I want to give it. I want to let go of what's physical so that I can lay hold of what's real and what's eternal. Are you staring your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. If you need to come and pray, you can pray. If you want to pray with you, I'll be glad to pray with you. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much, God, for this crowd of people. And I thank you for the time you blessed us with today, Lord. And, uh, God, we got a week coming up ahead of us. We don't have that promise, Lord. Some of us might be in eternity before this day's over. Lord, I just pray that when we get to next Sunday, by your grace, God, maybe we can look back and go, this was, this was a better week. I experienced life because I focused on you. I, I let go of some things, Lord, even if it's just a little at a time, God, you don't demand immediate everything god you just give us a choice you love us enough to go you know i'll I'll, I'll let you choose i pray we make the right choices this week god i pray that we wouldn't be blinded by the cares of this world consumed lord but we would we would look at the days you give us god and that we would live joyfully and we'd live hopefully and we'd love people and god we'd invest in and what's eternal lord people everywhere around us that are hurting people that need your love and your truth, God, that we hold in a storehouse. God, I pray we'd open up the doors and start showing people and living for the kingdom, God. Help us, Lord, to um, 
to let go of those things that's so deeply rooted in our lives that's, that's sucking the life out of us. And God, to uh, just to trust you. Lord, I don't know why it's so hard to trust you. Let's pray you give us trust in hearts, God. Knowing that we are highly valued. And uh, that we're the king's kids. Let us live like that in Jesus' name. Amen.